Welcome to Pharma Launch Secrets, a podcast by Evermed. We host direct, actionable conversations with world-leading pharma launch experts that will help you launch your next product or indication successfully. Now, here's your host, Bozidar Jovicevic. And welcome to another episode of the Pharma Launch Secrets Podcast. I am joined today by Noah Workman, Associate Managing Director of Content Strategy and Activation at Havas Health and You. Noah, before working at Havas, also ran a consultancy helping his clients plan, build, and automate omnichannel content strategies and solutions. He has helped a diverse range of pharma companies, as well as non-pharma companies, such as Consensus, HP, Sesame Street. Berkeley's, as well as agencies such as VaynerMedia and Havas, before he worked there, helping them understand, measure, and solve business challenges. He's led and delivered for international teams as well. He worked on live interactive shows, award-winning web series, documentaries, as well as feature films. When it comes to content, Noah is your man, and I'm uh, really happy to have him today in the episode. So welcome, Noah. Thanks so much for having me, Bozi. I'm really excited to be here and have this discussion with you. All right. So let's first talk before we dive into content and specifically modular content today, which is a big topic these days in pharma. Uh, just to first understand, what does your day-to-day role as Associate Managing Director of Havas entail? Ah, that, that's a, a reasonable question. Day-to-day, I lead service, technical, and sales teams to help share and refine our, our capabilities. We do a lot of work to, to make sure we're purpose fit for the various companies we, we serve systems. I'm always iterating and collaborating with clients around education and process uh, change management to make sure that the tools we have are used in the best possible way. I spend some of my time learning about the compounds and the efficacy and the science behind what our clients talk about to have a better understanding there. Some of my time learning about behavioral psychology, particularly in like the point of view of how different cohorts of people make the choices they make because we deal with projects that are global in nature. So how they determine what to prescribe or issues around adherence and disease impact. You know, and on, on Great Days Bozi, we also have time to celebrate new work, right? Because at the core of what we're doing is helping doctors and patients make their best choices around health and wellness. Sounds like you're a busy man. Here. Now, before we go into definitions of, of modular content, very high-level questions. Because you've seen non-pharma industries and you've seen pharma industries, and we are now in this post-COVID world. Will pharma produce more content, same amount of content, or less content over the next three years? What's your bet? My bet is informed by a bunch of data that shows the quantity of video content we make will increase pretty much exponentially over time as more and more people move towards consuming uh, video content across many different channels for about many reasons. And it's also just informed by our personal life, right? got to ask the question, when was the last time you were really excited to finish up your day at work and go read your emails versus turn on a Netflix or check out a YouTube or scroll through Instagram or, or TikTok videos? So We've got hard data and then how most of us lead our lives to kind of say it's going to radically increase. It's already more than ever. And sometimes when I read this or watch about the, the statistics, it's really mind-boggling when it says, oh, 90% plus of the internet is video, 
and then retention of knowledge for for learning purposes, which is very common among doctors, patients, in healthcare, eight times higher than reading text, which is like, wow, okay. So in one minute I spend, I can learn eight times more or retain eight times more. So there's so many, there are so many benefits and we just live in this visual world. So I agree with you hundred percent. I wanted to hear it from you. If we want to build on that, I would just, add, I mean, I would, I would dive into what you're saying as the complexity of science increases, those visualizations become critical, the, that combined storytelling of images, expertise, and new ways of seeing on a molecular level what's happening become really great ways to tell stories about compounds and also like the latest data. To me, that's that's a really interesting thing. And then just wanted to say, I encourage all of our clients to go hunt to YouTube and uh, go ahead and search their products because what they'll find is that there's hundreds of people with tens of thousands of views having these conversations. So whether or not we help define what those conversations are, they're already happening. Uh, because like you said, it, it helps people learn faster, which is a really interesting thing to know. Mm, that must be an interesting experience when you ask uh, clients to look what comes out when the search interesting. All right. And then the topic of modular content, I'd love to go deeper into that because it's a term that now almost like term on the channel is becoming pretty uh, widely used. It People kind of have, some people have a clear idea on what it means and what's the benefit. Is it about efficiency or effectiveness or what it is about? Some people are thinking, well, does that apply only to my visual aids or something else? Is it on-demand content? So let's first discuss and define what modular content is and why it is becoming all the rage today. Yeah, that's a great way to start because uh, it is a series of somewhat complex things connected, but we can simplify that, right? In its simplest terms, modular content is uh, the education, the process, assembly, and delivery of distinct, adaptable elements, video elements, images, or text to facilitate these customized viewing uh, uh, and content experiences. That's like the hard definition, um, the potentiality, uh, the opportunity at hand. For me, in many ways, it's about kind of respecting that different people get their information in different ways across different channels, uh, that different people like to be spoken to in different ways. The way you might persuade one person can be very different than another that can vary in obvious ways by things like language. Um, it's much easier for me to understand English than other languages. Um, it can have cultural ramifications, like do the people who are sharing this information have shared experience with me? And it can have, of course, regional and, and, and disease state issues as well. I think the power here and, and what we always work back from is the opportunity to optimize content over time, right? So for me personally, like the true power of modular content is if we take scientific method, we can make strong hypotheses built on lots of data, lots of expertise. And, and I certainly work with experts every day across a lot of fields. But at the end of the day, viewers might receive different things in different ways. And um, in the old way, each piece of content we make is distinct. It stands alone. And in a modular way, a contemporary and new way, we have the ability to look at how people are experiencing the stories we tell and alter the ways we tell those stories so they can be heard best over time in a never-ending process of optimization. 
Got it. Okay, so just to make that then a little bit more tangible or through an example, right? Because I love how your definition is clear and it's also robust. It applies for many situations. So let's say I'm a brand director and I'm like launching a product six months or 12 months from now. And I'm thinking of using combination of video, audio, and text. So I could record, you know, 30 minute video of KOL or 3KOL speaking and submit that to MLR review and approval or PRC and then push that to first party or third party channels. So that's how it used to be done because before there were modules because I'm thinking of modular content like this word module, like mod modules of that. So how would I not do that now? What would instead of that, what would I do? Especially if I want to also repurpose video for audio and text, which is the benefit of video, right? Yeah, that's great. So I'm glad you brought up a 30 minute KOL video because we know kind of what those look like, right? Those look like KOLs, and this is in general, right? Speaking about how general practitioners can identify a disease state, like things they should look for. Sometimes we we hear that those those talk about patient experience and the burden of a disease that might not be relevant in that 15 minute, half an hour appointment you have. It, they then move on to more specialists and specialized information like from a general method of action to really diving into the science. And then often there's safety and efficacy questions that come in later in that conversation. There's a couple of different audiences there. Um, right off the bat, in our hypothetical video, right, we've got, we've got the people immediately dealing with the patients first and knowing that they can spot the disease. That's one audience. Um, we oftentimes have HCPs, people who might not be doctors, but are actually performing the, the tests that might need to have some knowledge about how to gather information. And then often the prescribers are these hyper-specialized doctors that already have a lot of knowledge. In the old way, they would essentially either have to listen to or scroll through potentially the first 15 minutes of a video just to find something relevant. So we've done all this hard work to identify a doctor that could hear our message, right, that needs to know about a new treatment and then you send them this cool piece of content that so much time was spent on from a peer they really respect. And the next thing you're asking them to do is scroll 15 or 20 minutes into it to find the information they need. When we modularize that content, the first thing we can do is understand all of the different audiences that we have. We can take that piece of media and before we ever start shooting or retroactively divide it up into specific messages that will help move people's behavior um, and move them towards a, a path to prescription or a path to understanding, depending on what we need them to do. And then we can make sure that whether it's on social channels, whether it's on YouTube, or whether it's a rep-based communication, that we can send them the piece of media that based on the data we currently have is most likely to get the action we want. But, Bozy, that's not all, because oftentimes we have some other assets, right? We have an amazing method of action video. We have another KOL that lives in a, in a related specialty. And so when, when all of these pieces are modularized, we end up being able to remix them in a way over time, optimize them in a way over time by putting different pieces back to back to create short communications that are detailed in the way that each specific audience needs to hear. And I think that, now that you use the word remix them, and I think that that's really one of the key things that I'm hearing you say, because instead of that 30-minute video, and maybe you have three 30-minute videos, one is maybe for a caregiver, one is for a patient, one is for a physician, one is for another specialty of physician to your point, because they have different needs. And now, instead of 30 minutes times four, you have 
I don't know how long should the snippets be. Is it two, three minutes? What do you usually recommend? So that depends on the channel, right? Like if we're using like an like an Evermed style Netflix hub, like the very nature of being able to explore that large amount of content means that people have dedicated some time to it, right? So if we give them a five or six minute piece, they may consume more information. If we go to certain social channels, that can be 30 seconds and that can be 60 seconds. And again, when we have all when we have this library of like tagged data and tagged communications, uh, we can let the data guide us. So we tend to do that uh, channel specifically, like the type of communication specifically, but then also we can react uh, to prior behaviors in terms of how long they want to be spoken to. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say you mentioned differently and also different social media channels, okay, vertical or square or things like that, all the kind of optimized perfectly. Now, let's say that instead of, you know, 30-minute videos, we end up with five to six-minute chunks. So we have four videos, 30 minutes, just to make it very practical, with five-minute chunks, so it's five to six times four, that's basically twenty around 25. And now we have those pieces. How is that going to help us apart from being able to adjust length and to each channel and each audience? Uh, what are some of the other benefits of that? You mentioned the international aspect. I mentioned MLR from the start. So how does that help with things other than adjusting to the channel and audiences? Let's start with how all of us find new information, right? For many of us, when we hear about something new happening, we Google it, we search it, right? Those search engines are optimized for specific data, right? Google wants to give you just the piece of information most relevant to your search. So one of the first things we can do when we break up content is make it more relevant to search engines, right? We've worked together and I'm really excited about video landing pages. These are opportunities. Let me speak kind of broadly here and say, when we launch new drugs, you don't have many HCPs searching for that specific drug. It's brand new. There haven't been advertising dollars. Instead, what are they searching for? Well, doctors are searching for the latest relevant information about like a broad category of things like CCAMs in general. And patients are searching around um, the impact they're currently feeling, right? Like what's going on with my arm? What's going on with my stomach? Broad 30-minute videos may actually answer those queries, but over 30 minutes, that's suboptimal for search engines. Short pieces of content can quickly appear around relevant search terms. And then when we modularize and optimize, we also have, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, Bozy, where you see an ad, you're like, man, that's exactly what, we, what I need. You click on it, and you're brought to like the homepage of the company. And you're like, guys, I, the copy grabbed me. I was ready to buy. I was ready to learn more. And now you're asking me to like go deep into your menu to find the thing that I originally clicked on. Well, now we solve that problem because you click on an ad or you click on a search term and right away you see a KOL or a patient speaking about the problem that caused you to search it in the first place. So it shortens that connection. It makes us more attentive to people's needs and people get their answers faster and more accurately, which I think is really important. Apart from the benefits we just discussed when it comes to modular content, what about international launch product launches and how can and if it can, first of all, one piece of content with multiple different modules be used for the launch in US, but also in Germany and France? Is that possible? Yeah, absolutely. That's possible today. And I'm, I'm really proud of the work the team at Havas has done 
to deliver this stuff. Video oftentimes is more expensive than writing an article. It's more expensive than, than taking an image, and yet it's significantly more effective in communicating a message. So there's huge implications to helping doctors understand treatments and patients get the help they need when we can talk in a localized language and using of course, the right language, but also the right general sentiment, terminology, um, and with the right safety information. If we can do that at scale across the world, then more people will lead healthier lives. So there's a huge imperative to do that. And then also, our content becomes more valuable because modular content does make media work harder, right? So within modular systems, um, when done right, we should see the ability to quickly at scale alter ISIs, alter captions, subtitles, but also, uh, and we're currently working on a project that does exactly this, alter and localize language on different screens. So for example, if you have an app and you need to teach people about how to use the app to help them live more healthier lives, now we can quickly change that into any language. Um, This is also where machine learning and artificial intelligence comes in, uh, because another thing that, that we do to help inform our modular content is local areas have very specific needs, and if you maintain a library of what those needs are in terms of how you speak to people and how things are translated, as English has a fair amount of more words than some other languages, then you can quickly deliver a large amount of different video content to a bunch of different locations. All of this has the impact of saying, well, listen, if one video can be used in 20 different countries, the cost per customer who receives that video is significantly reduced. And uh, and so that's part of what we work on every day and, and what we're already delivering on. Uh, and that's one huge benefit of that, you know, scalability aspect of, of content. It basically drives, drives also the cost down. And then when it comes to MLR review, I know that's also one of the benefits. Is there any official number that says, well, you know, because you don't need to go again to, let's say, get a review and approval or approval for 30 minute videos because you want to change one word from and to or, which is one story I heard from a pharma client. <laughs> so now you can go to, you know, much shorter piece of content, say, hey, I only need your review and approval because of the change for this three minute piece or five minute piece. Is there any number or is it two times faster? or three times more efficient that is out there when it comes to efficiency of MLR approval? I, I wish I had that that number exactly for you, Bozzi, and I, and I don't. I think it's, though, a good time to kind of make note of a few things around regulatory process here. Regulated environments are different than consumer environments, which is, which is pretty self-evident. Regulations are not laws. Uh, regulations are an interpretation of whether something is compliant and legal. And most nations require the regulatory review of things that we're sharing with certain audiences. What modular content allows us to do is, first of all, uh, we can use the technology to create very high-quality animatics around the scripts that we have as a precursor for review. So the first thing that we found as we dove deep into this is that storyboards are a wonderful way of communication, but they're easily misunderstood. At the core of it, they were used by filmmakers to talk to other filmmakers about sharing ideas. And sometimes things get confusing about, like, for example, when a specific sentence is set over an image, because you might have two storyboards that represent 45 seconds of storytelling. So when do you cut? So the first thing we do is to be able to deliver before we shoot modularized storytelling uh, using high-quality animatics, which is an interesting way of building trust. 
because what we find is regular. What is animatics? An animatic is a moving storyboard, right? So we can ingest an existing storyboard or create net new in, in our system and output instead of receiving, here's four pages with a bunch of text where we have an image that represents mostly what you'll see. We can share, here's a four minute video with the verbatim word for word spoken using a synthesized voice as images change exactly as they'll change. What this does is create a certain amount of trust with regulatory bodies that we have a high level of QA and they know what to expect next. So that when we start pushing through a large volume of content, we can share with them how each piece of content is part of a larger whole. So to your point, we do tend to in our processes, um, and this can change, this differs from company to company, but we do often deliver a master asset that is approved, right? And then we're quickly able to modularize that into pieces and then we can share we share with our regulatory partners which parts specifically of the video have changed right oftentimes it can be simple things like a cta or an opening or closing line right oftentimes it can be a reordering of clips with the appropriate safety information also reordered as is needed those are opportunities there to work more closely with regulatory we do deal with entropy. Things change over time, right? We have a, a client who expects um, most safety information to change twice per year, like this, especially for new launches when new data is coming out. We've seen around JAX a lot of different black box warnings and different levels of those black box warnings. So I want to say the other opportunity here around regulatory is when you can change the ISI of all of your videos very quickly. I don't want to say hours, so I'm going to say days. When you can take in a matter of days all of the existing materials and accurately update them word for word with new safety information and get those to a regulatory body for approval, it it really opens up how swiftly you can update your communications. There isn't this like two or three month uh, back and forth. You say, here's the text as it was. Here's how it's been changed. We had a computer put everything in exactly right. We had a human QA it to verify that was acceptable, and you have all of those videos waiting for you to approve or ask specific questions about. Yeah, and it sounds like, first of all, to me, modular content, I always think of Legos. (laughs) So I don't know if that's the right way to think about it. Like You can take different pieces and then assemble them in a different way and create a house, a family, a village, or, you know, but you can use the same pieces and reassemble them. So it's really uh, Legos. And then the other piece is, can this be used by, or is this used by medical, commercial teams? Uh, so anyone, really, like any any type of content, right? Yeah. It, first of all, yes, we have we do have nice slides with Legos that show how you can take different pieces to build different things. I mean, that's a, a great analogy because when you have the right Lego set in this analogy, you can build a castle, if that's what kids like, or you can build, uh, you know... Star Wars uh, vehicle, if, if you're really into those movies, those, those are all opportunities. I can sense the Star Wars enthusiast here. So, You know, and to others, it might be a little tropical island or an ice cream store. But that's right, different. I mean, it, it is a great example because that's a foundational toy. It represents the opportunity to construct whatever it is you need, right? So now we move into video elements, being able to create whatever it is you need to communicate effectively. So... That's the bit on Legos. You asked another question that has left my mind. Yeah. So I assume that, you know, both this is, applies to both medical, commercial teams, omnichannel, digital, to a realtor, multiple functions, because when it comes to pharma launches and 
folks listening to this podcast, they're just different functions. So I would assume it applies. It doesn't need to be commercial or medical. It's any. That's all. Absolutely. I think it's both. Uh, it can be both commercial and medical. I think the thing that differentiates the task at hand for us and for most of our viewers is uh, we are in a very regulated marketplace, right? And and because of that, uh, we need to be have maintained high levels of auditability, uh, and we can't really get it wrong. Like people's lives and reputations, uh, their health is at stake, and and so a system that's highly auditable, highly trackable to get technical, like with metadata that is retained and adjusted as things change, is all really important. But yeah, we actually have some interesting data on. Let's also like talk about what what expectations are from doctors or patients. The analogy I use: you go to a website of a shoe company; they're not showing you a random assortment of shoes. They have an understanding of of who you are based on your cookies, browsing behavior, the device you have. Uh, they might know your gender, where you are, what activities you like doing, and sure enough, that's what's going to be on the first page of the website is things you might wear. Doctors right now, and even patients, have an experience where sometimes the first question they have to answer is, "Are you a doctor?" Um, which can be a regulatory issue, but also means like, what is your specialty? And and what we want to move towards is is serving up in a more personalized way what they expect. Because doctors and patients that are dealing with the consumer world all day expect the world's largest pharmaceutical companies to have some of those capabilities. And that's kind of what we deliver is, let's not speak generally about what we do. Let's speak specifically to how we can help you with the question the concern, the exploratory idea you have. And then I'd like to mention this capability because it's a segue to what I wanted to ask you from a perspective of, let's say, a brand director preparing a launch. And let's say I'm a brand director. I'm like, okay, definitely any content we produce should be modular content because I'm also, this is an international launch. I also want to use more video than I used in the past and all that and do more of omni-channel. Now, do I... Do I assume that my organization already has the capability so that any content that I'm thinking, so I'm using my creativity, knowledge of the market, marketing knowledge in order to come up with messaging and then strategic direction? And do I assume that my organization will have the capability to use modular approach, which will give me speed to market with my content, right? And probably cost efficiency and international benefit scale, or... I need to go to an agency and group like Havas to say, I want to rely on your capability, but I have one or two people in my organization. So where does this usually sit? Who do you really work with on the pharma level? That's a really reasonable question. We've done a lot of work to understand that question. Uh, Right now, the capability we have in partnership with our clients is fairly unique. It relies on on some global partners, uh, it relies on under, a deep understanding of dams and process as well, because there is some change management here. Within each organization, there's often, an, within, within each pharmaceutical company, there's often organizations that are responsible, groups that are responsible for, for having this understanding. I will say some approaches are let's start with text and images and then move to video. What we found is that's not really translating knowledge um, on a one-to-one basis. It can help you understand and build a test and learn mentality. But really broadly, when you're launching, um, and we currently have a client who, who's coming out with a new, um, a new therapeutic soon, the answer is the sooner the better, right? The, 
It's never too late to start modular content, but the sooner you start it, the more opportunity you have from day one. And I say that because for new brands, we move through a planning phase where we understand exactly what's needed. Um, This is content and strategy planning. This is behavioral analysis. And then we then deliver content around that planning, templatize it, and output it put it according to those strategies. For brands that have already existed, we take a look at what content has made before and how we can, if, how, and if we can build on that content to make that media working harder. However, each different company and sometimes different teams within a company have different understandings, have different prior experiences, and have different needs. I do think there is a part of this that is change management, that is new ways of thinking and, and I kind of highlight that the biggest part of that is what we touched on at the beginning of this conversation, which is people want to consume video content and it changes their behavior, right? So the people who make the most video content for the most different audiences across the channels that those people interact with are the people whose ideas will be heard the most. So never too late to start, but start now. <laughs> Yeah, and one benefit of starting now and not having maybe content supply chain and capability in place that you can really design it for the future and not dealing with legacy systems. One last question I'll ask you around modular content before we go into the last part where we have these rapid fire questions about you so the audience gets to know you better is AI, chat GPT is all the rage these days. What is one application of AI that excites you when it comes to all things content? So in regulated marketplaces, there's still gigantic legal questions. So I want to caveat all this by, of course, obviously not a lawyer. And there are some foundational questions about how, in general, these models are trained and copyright and ownership. That said, right, at the core of these capabilities is taking large amounts of data, finding those patterns, and finding how humans respond to those patterns in a, in a positive way and building on that over and over again. So we do use versions of machine learning already. They are verified by humans at every step in the way, of the way to be compliant. Most of those uses right now are around language or around data, right? So that, that to me is, is exciting. So I want to say language and localization, meaning not just broadly Spanish, but Spanish in Barcelona versus Spanish in Oaxaca, right? There are, there are absolutely differences, and we, need, we will be able to talk to more people in a voice they can best hear soon. Heck, there's differences in Chicago and Charleston. So, so I think that's one opportunity. The next opportunity is, now as we deliver more and more video content in more and more pieces that can be combined in more and more ways, we start to get into what machine learning is very good at, which is identifying patterns amongst the noise. So our system works and plugs in directly with, with any data system. Again, it's a foundational capability, so we can really quickly tag and alter things. I'm excited about how we learn how to talk to people in a better way. I mean, we all just got through a pandemic. Like Maybe some of us know people who, if we'd said things in a different way, either wouldn't have suffered as much or would still be here. Right? That's one of the reasons I, I came to Havas Health and You, is that I didn't think it was right that people who might have differing views on politics or differing views on where a virus originates. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk to you in a way you can hear about why it's important to 
be vaccinated and keep your family safe, right? Why it's important to have discussions with your doctor about your health. And, and there's a lot of different things that that applies to. So I'm excited there. I'm also just going to say like much more broadly, uh, work. I think that artificial intelligence and machine learning is, is truly a transformative tool. It's one of the more powerful tools humans have built. It's up there with like zero and things like that. So I'm also really excited at like the compounds and the science that we discover. I think it's going to make science more complicated. It's going to make it there's going to be more and more personalized treatments, the burden on doctors to keep up to date, to understand, you know, very complex studies. These are problems we're solving now um, and have solutions for, but it's a real challenge because the amount of information these machines produce is really vast. And then because we're talking about people's lives, the amount of energy that humans must spend to deeply understand what the machines are interpreting that's an awful lot of work too. So I close all that out by saying like there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of effort to make sure that the will of humanity matches the will of these machines. It's going to create powerful new solutions and and as it relates to a lot of what I do on my day to day, the more quickly and accurately we can communicate to doctors and patients about what's available to them, like the better the world is. No, thank you. Yeah, there's so much in and I'm, I'm so excited. I, I think any, anyone working on, on you know content any form of communication <laughs> i think it's right now excited with what's happening and i also i think in the mlr mlr reviews and compliance just an ability of the machine to read through all the rules all the constraints and feed it with your own like compliance rules let's say for a pharma company the ability to speed up a lot of processes as opposed to human beings searching for something that it's against the rule i think that's just going to be transformative all right so for the very end uh, we have just few minutes so these are very kind of one sentence questions or answers so what do you believe will be the industry buzzword of 2023 one word it's chat gpt one word i feel like that's more than one word we'll be talking about ai but really specifically like large language models i think the buzzword though is going to be chat gpt they came to market first with the powerful tool. And I think that's how people will frame their understanding about what can be done or Bard or Google. Yeah. Yeah. What's the best book you've read in the last 12 months? I keep going back to Innovator's Dilemma. I had a pleasure to work with Clayton Christensen before he passed. As I work with more and more large companies, I have a better and better understanding of what he was trying to teach us and also like the role we all play in, in helping large organizations move forward in a really positive way to help people. So it's not a new book that I've read, but I'm, I, it's one of those books I come back to and I reread it through a different lens every quarter that I spend working with clients and, and then within Havaz. Yeah, I love it. It's one of those books, you know, and I started recently reading less of new books and rereading some of the an incredible books. I'd rather reread Innovators, Innovators Dilemma five times than reading new five business books of 2023. So like I'm 100% with you. And what's your go-to music or genre of music when you need some inspiration? Oh, I am truly eclectic there. I don't feel like I accurately prepared for this. Oh, well, what I will say is what I learned from a great talk from a neuroscientist was that you can train yourself to focus to different music. So what I will say is when it comes you ask for inspiration, but I'll say for focus, I have a classical playlist with a lot of a lot of just historical classical music. And when those songs come on, 
I'm at my computer working hard. And then I have a contemporary version of 80s uh, Atari video game music. So this is like wave riders and stuff like that. It sounds like I'm inside an 8-bit computer. And depending on the type of work I'm doing and the speed that I need to get it done versus the consideration I need to have, I'll fire up each of those playlists. That said, Bozy, my favorite video game in the world is just Spotify. I could sit on Spotify, ChatGPT, and Wikipedia for like days and just learn more and more. I mean, I've been diving into like African blues lately. That's a nice sound. I've got a daughter who's uh, who's who's just uh, 16 months, so I've been trying to find things with a strong backbeat, referencing like fetal heartbeats and things like that, something she can dance to that she likes. She's been enjoying Portugal the man, so... Wow, okay, heartbeats. And then what is the one sentence advice you would give to someone starting in content in healthcare right now? Be curious. I think that's, I mean, that's my one sentence is, is be curious. I, the world is changing so rapidly that it's really important that we know what we know, uh, but that also we understand that, that changes are really, really quickly happening. So my best work is never the work that I alone do, right? It's informed by so many people that have both come before me and, you know, at the organization that I'm at that are actively working around a problem. So something I keep coming back to is, is to stay curious. It makes things light. It makes things fun. It keeps a growth mentality. And that's like kind of what I expect and hope for with, with my team is we quickly determine a right answer, but we're open to all of the signals that could make us get an even better answer. That's part of what brought us to you, Bozy, right? Like is, is let's, let's see what's out there. Let's see all of the different ways we can help share content with people. It's, you should be curious. Yeah. 100%, especially with the rate of change and adaptability that's needed. Curiosity is, is a wonderful trait. It, and also with all the overwhelm and anxiety that change can cause. Also, they say that curiosity is the antidote to actually fear and anxiety, which is really interesting thought. Oh, I haven't heard that. <laughs> that's great. Maybe that's why I've been calm lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was reading that someone's like feeling anxious instead of like, getting more anxious about feeling anxious, which is what human beings can do, which is feeling emotion for feeling an emotion. You kind of say, if you see it in state of curiosity, what is the message here? What am I trying to, to what is universe trying to tell me here? So it can be an antidote, which is a whole other conversation. But anyway, it was wonderful to have you here, talk about all things content and modular content and continuing to work together to move the world towards more content, better communication globally. Thank you so much. We'll stay for a couple more minutes after we press stop and uh, we'll do this sometime again. All right, Bozy, thanks for sharing. Thanks for the hard work your team does. I know at the core of what we're all working towards, and I imagine what many of the people listening to this podcast are working towards is making the world better for most people. So I'm really excited to be a part of that. I think we have a fundamental role to play in everybody leading their best lives. So thank you for the podcast and thank you for the products you're building. And there's a lot of work to be done. So I think it's time to go do it. I'm going to go jump on a call right now, but not shut down my phone. Green, thank you. This podcast was brought to you by Evermed. Evermed offers pharma companies the fastest path to having their own Netflix-like on-demand video engagement hubs for doctors or patients. Make sure to search for Pharma Launch Secrets in Apple Podcasts or Spotify and click on the follow icon so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Evermed, thanks for listening.